Welcome to Spotty on Shares, everyone, your program covering the main market news of the day and, of course, answering your questions live on air with our resident chief spotter each Monday to a Wednesday. Now, as always, we encourage you to go to our website to learn which guests are appearing on the show next so that you can ask them questions in their area of expertise. And how do you do that? Well, the website's spotty.com.au. But the uh, question line, well, you can text us on 0480-079-089 or you can email us, question at spotty.com.au. So let's bring in today's chief spotter, and it's our resident expert on all things Noosa and Tesla. It's Nick Raj from the Chartist. G'day, Nick, how are you doing? G'day, Elio, how are you? Thanks for yeah. having me on again. No, you're a champion. It's always great to have you on. You're the closest thing we have to access to Elon Musk, and hasn't he been uh, in the uh, social media press in the uh, last few days? But nonetheless, let's... Uh, keep it real. Let's uh, bring it back to stocks if we can. Uh, Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and then more importantly, that wonderful business you built there at the Chartist and how you help investors every single day. Sure, thanks. Well, I've been uh, trading for 36 years. I started my life down on the trading floor of the Sydney Futures Exchange and for the first 17 years, I traded uh, primarily futures contracts. Um, But in 2001, I switched across to stocks and that's pretty well I trade now, only stocks. Not into the cryptos yet, but obviously I've got to take some advice from the young punters out there who have a lot more experience than me. So yeah, I think I'm a bit too old for that side of things. And we run a business here called The Chartist. We thought there was a bit of a a hole missing in the industry about 20 years ago. Uh, There seems that every man and his dog had access to fundamental analysis, but not so much to quality technical analysis. So that's where we started about 20 years. And more recently, uh, you know, we've kind of morphed into the type of trading that I do, which is more systematic and algorithmic, just sticking with stocks. And uh, we trade multiple different portfolios on all sorts of different timeframes in both Australia and the US on that. That's right. So thechartist.com.au is where you can go to learn more about the services of Nick and, of course, the great man, um, Stuart, who joined us um, last time um, and how they help investors every day. And there's also, if you're a newbie and you've just joined Spotty for uh, the first time, Nick also makes available a a little investing blueprint um, available to everyone free of charge. You can go to thechartist.com.au forward slash spotty and uh, get access to that and um, just uh, provide your details. And basically, it's a very large document covering all aspects of the trading game. Uh, Very important to get a handle on if you're starting this caper out. All right, then. Well, as we go to air, the market's having a pretty solid day, though it is giving back its earlier gains, Nick. Currently, the XJO up 0.33%. The uh, All Ordinaries up 0.37%. So let's get into the main market news of today. And Theme park operator Ardent Leisure has told us uh, that revenue from its US-based main event business has jumped some 40% in April compared to the same month two years ago. Uh, Earnings for the months of March and April are almost double than what they were two years ago, which is, of course, that wonderful pre-COVID level. The stock finding a bit of support today after a sell-off last week um, and, uh, yeah, looking to go back to those previous levels. But, Nick, I'll get you on to Elders who's reported an underlying earnings before tax and interest figure of some $73.8 million, which is actually a 40% increase on the first half of 2020. It's more than doubled its dividend, um, and uh, the company continues to experience growth across all state geographies and, of course, their product line. So return on capital, which is um, a key metrics for that metric for them, particularly in regards to their eight-point plan, as they call it, was up above 20%. Um, look, Nick, Uh, don't need so much in regards to what it does, but it had been the chart doing quite well. Appears to have pulled back a little bit today, just having a look, the stock down 
2.7%, but it is off its lows. What do you make of elders at the moment? It's been a good time to be in the ag space here in Australia, and they've um, obviously capitalised on that. Um, you know, that price, though, does look like it's a pretty interesting inflection point. Yeah, look, it, it certainly does. And if we go back to last week, the stock actually had a bit of a intraday sell-off. It looked like potentially some stop losses running there. Volume wasn't overly high. And that took the share price down below $11. But importantly, it closed near the high of the day for that session. Now, you've just mentioned then that we had a sell-off early this morning. The stock is off its lows again, and that suggests that buy demand is there on any weakness, and that's a very positive sign. I like the look of this. I think it looks very, very strong. Ideally, uh, as you know, I'm a buyer of strength, so yeah. ideally I would want to be buying this as it passed up through probably around that $12.80 level, perhaps up through $13. And that's all-time highs, and that's obviously what we want to see. But it's been very constructive price action all the way back through till October last year. And uh, for all intents, if this buying demand that we're seeing remains in place, I think that's a good setup for ongoing higher prices, absolutely. Yeah, you might live in Noosa, folks, but that's ice through his veins. So he doesn't get itchy fingers, he'll wait for that breakout before he commits. Well, let's talk about another topic which has had a breakout on the other ways, and it's a stock we talked about before. Intertech Pivot, who reported that revenue from operations down 6.7% to $1.7 billion. Net profit tumbled some 43% to $36.4 million. The main culprit, as you all know, was Wagaman, unfortunately. Uh, performance across the other elements of the business were quite solid, but unfortunately, uh, Wagaman really has hurt the stock, just uh, seeing what the price has done at the moment. Now down to $2.24 and yes, folks, as you know, it was stopped out a while ago. Whew, thank heavens for that. Um, also, EML Payments has gone into a trading hold in response to what the company calls significant regulatory concerns about the prepaid financial services business that it acquired last year. Um, the op these uh, issues relate to their presence in Ireland. They will respond by Wednesday. It doesn't look great, though we can take some heart from the fact they're not a casino. Speaking of which, Aristocrat. They upgraded their half-year uh, earnings performance uh, for the six months into 31st of March 2021, telling us that uh, they expect uh, net profits before tax and amortisation and, of course, acquired intangibles, which they've bought a stack load of because everything they buy is basically a computer. No, not an NFT, folks. Um, the price uh, to $412 million, which is growth of around 12% over the period. Nick, aristocrat, ALL. Uh, I think I'd be hard-pressed to find any technical analyst out there that would say that this was a bearish chart. Um, I think most, uh, most who do focus on the larger end of town will have a presence in ALL. But with regards to key levels to watch from here on in, the stock is up again today, another 4.6% on the back of the news to $39.07. What's your view in regards to AWL at this point and what levels should everyone be watching? Well, interesting you say the stock's up today. That is what's showing on the surface, but the stock was up a heck of a lot more on the open. It had a big opening gap up, yeah. opened up at $39.50, traded to a high of $40.86, which is new all-time highs. I'm pretty sure that's new all-time highs, and is now in retreat. So the market doesn't like to leave these gaps. As a result, I would not be surprised to see some more consolidation, probably a close in the gap, maybe a move a little bit lower back down to say 37.50 down that way where we were last week. Um, if it can consolidate for a few more weeks at these levels, that's good. 
But clearly what we see here is this opening gap. A lot of punters out there just said, thanks very much. I'll take a piece of that. And they took their profits. I don't have updated volume on my chart yet. But if we see this selling on very, very heavy volume, I'll probably be a little bit more wary. But if the volume is very, very light, then there's nothing to be concerned about. Um, and I would suggest some consolidation for a couple of weeks before we head onwards and upwards for this one. Okay, thank you very much for that. Now, it's time for us to get into your questions at the moment. Remember, we can't take your objectives uh, or a situation into account when we answer your questions. We can only give you our view from a general perspective. We also hold interest in stocks and various other trading entities that we do try to disclose on the program when relevant, uh, when we need to, but in the cut and thrust of stock discussion, sometimes we forget. And yes, folks, prices do go up and down, although the interesting one of today, of course, being iron ore falling some uh, 10 or 12% on Friday, yet the iron ore miners are up. Go figure. I won't get you to answer that one, Nick. I'll get you to answer this one instead. Question comes from Kevin. Uh, he would see, he says here, could you please have a look at Magellan, MFG? Of course, I have a little bit of an index uh, that I use, uh, Nick, when I see someone or someone's business appear in the AFR a lot. That's usually a bit of a warning signal. Um, Magellan, of course, and uh, the great man Hamish there, they've all been out there talking for a while. The price has been on a slippery slope for some time now on the back of that. Its funds have been struggling in terms of performance, but in regards to those price levels, what would you be watching here to uh, confirm that maybe the bottom has set in? So generally speaking, I look for a, a three-point turnaround, if you like, especially after heavy sell-offs. This one, you know, it's retracing back from the gains off the last year's March lows, but it's in an area now which is probably trying to find a bit of a base. Your key in line in the sand is $41.50. Would not want to see the stock fall back below $41.50. That's where we were in March this year. But the second part of the turnaround story is we like to see a basing pattern. I'm going to show you a good example later on with that. But for now, this stock has basically been trading sideways since February. And that's a good thing. But so long as it holds above 41.50. In terms of getting confidence, we would need to see a break back up through $53.50. That's a fair way off at the moment, though. All right, then, excellent. Thank you very much for that uh, guidance there, Nick. Uh, Nick, a question from a newbie. Um, didn't put his name to this text message. We always love to know who you are exactly, but great that you're uh, asking uh, your first question. Um, unfortunately, though, it's not a great stock or performance hasn't been that great. It's Parenti Global, um, who, you know, look, they're an interesting business. Uh, they're an engineering firm. They had a pretty heavy sell-off on uh, one of those days, and I think what he's after there, Nick, is whether that sell-off um, was uh, overdone or not. But just quickly in behind to what actually happened, well, they're an engineering firm, uh, which is always a tough business, to be honest. Uh, margins are wafer thin. Uh, they're cyclical, of course, um, and they do blame COVID, as they would have given them mostly, uh, well, they have a significant part of their operations overseas. The, the intriguing thing, and I suspect the reason why the sell-off occurred, was because 10 weeks prior to that, they told us that everything was peachy, that they expected strong revenue growth, that they'd navigated through the worst, uh, the borders were opening, um, the currency impact hadn't been uh, much at all, and really contract negotiations um, were going along uh, all swimmingly. So it was a pretty bad look to come out with this downgrade so soon after that update, Nick. When you get these savage sell-offs, though, and unfortunately if you're on the wrong side of them, how should a trader or an investor sort of uh, look at them from a chart perspective? Because, of course, it's a long way back up the mountain from here on in. 
Yeah, look, it is. It's it's an interesting chart because basically the stock had been trading between a dollar and a dollar fifty all the way back through till about May last year, and we had been testing the upper end of that band around a dollar fifty not that long ago, and all that testing was done on pretty low volume, which is which is a positive sign. But then what happened? We started to see prices slip to the lower side of that band, but do so on heavier volume, and that's a that's a sign of insider selling. We consolidated for a couple of weeks and then we dropped down through that dollar, very important line of support at a dollar on that bad news. Now, the most important information here at the moment is that all the closes are on the lows of the day and mm. on extremely high volume and that can only mean sellers. So that sell off last Thursday by the looks of it, massive volume, close on the low, that was a lot of heavy duty holders getting uh, getting out of that stock. And whilst that supply is in the market, this share price can't go any higher. Even if it could rise, I would suggest $1 is now gonna hold it back. So next, if it's not gonna be sustainable, uh, next look at the charts, probably down around that 48 cents is what I would be expecting. Okay, well, well careful uh, below. And yeah, unfortunately, just seem to be brittle with issues and with engineering firms, they have a tendency to uh, disappear. Um, say hello to Hasty and uh, Forge, of course, but that might not happen. We'll see how we go. Uh, let's touch with uh, Core Lithium. Um, CXO is their code. The question comes from Sunil. Uh, would like to know technical and fundamental thoughts on the company. So I'll just quickly brush over the fundamentals, Nick, in the saying that it's uh, involved in yesterday's hot metal, which was lithium, and tomorrow's hot metal, uranium. Uh, so it's gone, it looks like it's bookended by two great minerals. Uh, they're on the cusp of production, actually, which is expected to be in 2022 for their lithium project. Now, they're currently in the process of signing off-take agreements, in which they said they've got about 40% of them signed up, uh, and therefore funding, they'll need to organise that, which is always a testy time when you're playing this game. Uh, they also have that bonus of the uranium in South Australia that they're uh, looking at what they can do there, and they even expect bigger upside targets from that. Lithium had been strong, but recently had come off a little bit as concerns about supply coming online um, was going to be a potential issue. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, look, the positive is, is that they just need to get more offtake agreements to bring them closer to production. We haven't really seen any as of yet, so the price, Nick, has waned a little bit. Um, in regards to where it's sitting at the moment, what do you think uh, in regards to the chart or key levels Sunil want to be watching for both the bull and bear case? Sure. Well, the key levels on the downside is 18 cents. Uh, that's a, a major level of support. I'd be very concerned if we broke down through there. This stock has skyrocketed. It was only uh, late last year. It was trading at five cents, went all the way up to around 44 by the looks of it. And as you said, it's waned in uh, the last couple of months. So on the downside, 18 cents. On the upside, 30 cents. We're currently stuck in that range between 18 and 30. And we're trading more or less to the bottom of that. I guess if you were reasonably aggressive, and I guess if you were happy with the fundamental backdrop, then you could lean against this support at 18 cents. And what that basically means is you could buy it down here. Where are we now? Around 22, 23 cents. You could have a tight stop loss because you don't want to be owning this if it falls through 18 cents. And that gives you a reasonably good risk reward on that particular trade. But as I said, at the moment, there's not a great deal of upside momentum in any way, shape or form. So your risks are we stay in this range for a prolonged period of time. 
Yeah, if you feel like you've got an edge, you might want to take that risk otherwise. Yeah, there are always uh, plenty of other stories out there. Um, XRF Scientific, uh, just quickly, uh, Sagi, one of our regular spotty contributors, would like to know a little bit about this business from a, either fundamental or technical or anything perspective. Uh, look, just quickly with regards to XRF Signing um, Scientific, they are a mining tech business. They've got labs and technology that measure the quality of precious metals. Their latest quarter results showed a large percentage jump in quarterly profit, uh, quarterly revenues, sorry, up some 20%. I think quarterly profits were up around 80%. But otherwise, to be honest, I can't get excited by it. I mean, it only makes around $1 million a quarter in a sector which is absolutely booming, and this company has got a presence all over the world. But what would I know, Nick? Because on that quarterly report, probably because of the signs of life, the price did jump, as you can see on that chart there. Um, your view in regards to this uh, from here and uh, I suppose just to help Sagi in regards to where the uh, bull case would go wrong. Yeah, look, very liquid stock. Yeah. Um, so one automatically has to be very, very careful. That's, it just gaps around all the place. I mean, it has been grinding higher off the March 2020 lows, consolidated, which is always a good thing from around September last year through to that announcement last week or a couple of weeks ago. But uh, it has been met with a little bit of selling. Um, I say a little bit because there's not much volume in there in any way, shape or form. So it doesn't actually take much to close this stock at the lows or at the highs for that matter. The line in the sand at the moment, uh, minus support at 35 cents. Um, if it broke through that to the downside, then I'd probably incline to just uh, take some defensive action. Your big line in the sand is 30 cents. I wouldn't want to be involved below that. But if we can get some consolidation and the stock stays above 35 cents, we're at all time highs. Um, it, it looks very good. So, um, you know, it's just very liquid. It wouldn't be something that I'd get involved with myself. Yeah, got to agree with that. But yeah, Sagi, so look, they just need to get some rubber hit the road, to be quite frank and honest with you, more impressively than what they are at the moment. Um, Helen has asked about Cyclofarm. The code is CYC, Nick, uh, which is a company currently waiting for FDA approval on its technology product, which uh, is basically a diagnosis tool which puts radioactive carbon into the human body. You basically inhale it, looks for pulmonary uh, embolisms. And, um, you know, basically they hope that you can also find some of the more nasty respiratory diseases as well. Uh, approval of the manufacturing process is what is expected now by the end of June. That was a delay on what was previously thought by about a month. Uh, it doesn't change the end game in regards to this business. It's still going to have a product that it can sell when it does sell. And I think maybe that might be, uh, you know, the market's tendency just a little bit worried with, you know, COVID concerns and all the like tapering off a little bit. Um, there could be a bit of sell down there. But really, there's no news to cause the price to move at this point in time. The same thematic is still the same. Nick, your uh, view in regards to this price, because it has been going pretty much sideways for some time. Um, would you be looking for or where would that breakout be uh, to the upside to convince us that um, CYC is uh, up and at them? Yeah, look, that's an interesting chart. And we'll just pay attention to the left-hand side of that chart where you've got that sort of jump in prices. Um, if we go back to last year, the same kind of pattern occurred. We had a big jump in prices, followed by about four or five months of sideways consolidation. And that then brought us to this recent jump in prices that you can see there. And now we're getting that same consolidation after that. So the line in the sand to the upside is $3. Mm. Um, that would be 
dare I say it, but if you're looking to get involved, that would be a good buy point if we were to move up through there. And on the downside, $2.25 is the level of support. So as you said, we're stuck in that consolidation band. That's a positive thing. The trend is certainly up. But the risks, again, before trading that breakout is that it could stay in this range for another month or two and there's other opportunities out there. But $3 is the point to the upside I'd be keen to get involved. And, of course, any delay from the FDA approval, if that goes out even further or worse still, there's some sort of negative pushback, then that could be a risk. So, yep, wait for the breakout. She also asked about another uh, respiratory uh, uh, company, uh, 4D Medical, which is their code is 4DX, and it's got the what they call their XV lung ventilation analysis software, which uh, sounds very useful um, in the analysis of various diseases. Now, recently they announced another pilot program, but to be honest with you, Helen, the market was waiting for it to say that it actually had won a new client. Everyone's getting a little bit concerned with a few of these med tech businesses at the moment, which continually get into these pilot programs and these various things without actually having rubber hit the road. Um, I know that they keep pointing to COVID as a potential reason for the delay of uptake. We've seen other companies like uh, Imogen, IBX, and a few others do exactly the same. The market's starting to lose a bit of patience with regards to that um, old saying. Uh, the, you know, that recent US pilot does look promising, um, but you know everyone's just waiting for a dollar deal now. Really, no one else wants to hear the lame duck excuse anymore. Nick, what in regards to a chart like that? I mean, we know or we, we believe that it's got good uh, technology. Um, everything seems to be okay, of course. It's all on the social media networks and all the like. Everyone gets excited by the technology. But then the technology versus running a real business can sometimes there be a disconnect, but it's always best reflected in the price. What do you think of that trend at the minute? Well, clearly the trend is down and it doesn't matter what we really think about what the product is. At this mm. stage, the market is not happy with what's going on. And as you say, that may well be a function of the business being run. It hasn't been around very long. It's only listed no. by the looks of, that, of it of August last year. Um, and it rocketed from its list price to around $3 of the high twos to the $3 level. And it's been one-way traffic ever since. It's now fallen back through, you know, it's lost 50%. And as you said, it may might be a great product it might be great technology but something is obviously bothering the punters out there the market and uh, that's sending the trend down so we've just touched all-time new lows just recently last week and i note in the last few sessions the lows of each day have been on the lows so there's still a lot of selling around there hasn't been any capitulation yet so when we see that capitulation, expect a big sell-off, but that's probably the time to start look to buy it up if you do like the technology and like that fundamental story behind it. But at this stage, it did keep trending lower. Okay, well, that brings us to a good point because, Nick, I mean, there's a lot of ifs in the market. And when we talk ifs, you know, coulda, shoulda, wouldas, and, of course, the wonderful fairy tale that everyone buys into. But when it comes to actually putting money down into these things, it's always a double-edged sword. It could go up, but it could also go down as well. Of course, you and I have no idea which way it'll go uh, per se. You know, sometimes that's in the lap of the gods, but you hope it's in some control of the company. So how do you go about making sure that, you know, for our little education corner folks, how do you go about making sure that you do block out that noise and then feel comfortable in your decision to actually say, no, I'm not going to play with this one, or yes, it's time for me to get in? Um, what would be the sort of advice that you'd tell someone when it comes to them trying to uh, define how they do that? 
Sure. So I guess I'm a little bit different to the vast majority of people that come on this show and for that matter, the vast majority of people participating in the markets in that I actually use a systematic approach to buy and sell shares, whether that be on a short term basis or a longer term basis. Now, by systematic, I mean, we're told when we start to invest and trade to have a plan. We all get told that there's mm. not much more information on that. So to give you an idea of what I actually do, I generate or I create rules and then I'm able to program those rules into a computer and then I can go back in history and say to the computer, if I'd followed these rules, how much money would I have made or lost? And I'm not talking about simple buy and sell rules. I'm talking about all rules in terms of how many shares to buy, how many shares to have in the portfolio, all that kind of stuff. And the computer is able to give me a huge array of metrics. And from that, I can make confident decisions that if I keep following the plan that I've designed, that eventually, maybe not straight away, but eventually I should make the, uh, the profits that the strategy has said it should make. And that's the way I do things. And I do that uh, on very short term basis and on a longer term basis. So to give you a very quick idea, I run an ASX momentum strategy. Um, it trades the ASX 100 stocks only. It makes one trade a month. But I know, for example, that if I go back and test this to 1990, so 30 years worth of data, I have a 92% probability of making money in any 12 month window. So doesn't matter when I start on day one or day 500, I've got a 92% probability of making money. So all I've got to do is just trade it for longer than 12 months and I should make money. And of course, that's the uh, having the confidence of a verified strategy to be able to do that rather than just a hunch, as it were, <laughs> and you know, yeah. which many people actually go about investing in a surprisingly amount, a large amount, including very large fund managers. Now, of course, uh, Milton, Phil, Joseph, unfortunately, we don't have time to get to your uh, questions today. But as you uh, know by now, that uh, we do get through them in subsequent episodes with our other guests. And I do try to keep them aligned with the, their uh, appropriate skill set to make sure you get the best uh, bang for buck in terms of those questions. But uh, Nick, it's time for us, uh, for you to help us see the light on two stocks that we're going to sit there and listen attentively to. And then we're going to toddle off and do our own research to see whether they align with our own investment objectives and of course, tolerance to risk. So take it away, Maestro. Okay, so I was going to go two large caps again. Last time I was on the show a few months ago, I threw out two large caps. BHP was one of them, but uh, we're not going to talk about that one tonight or today. We're going to go with um, Ansel. Uh, good, strong trend, recovered very, very nicely off the March COVID sell-off and is at almost at new all-time highs that were made just recently. It's good consolidation up here. So I would be looking to uh, get long this stock if it could break up through that $43 level. It's currently sitting just uh, somewhere above 41-ish, somewhere there. So if we could get up through $43, that would suggest the stock has upside momentum. And I would be looking for a price move eventually up to around that $52, $53 level. So some good upside potential there for Ansel. Now, the other one, I'm going to pick a smaller cap stock. Uh, Metalex is the name of the stock. Mm -hmm. And again, this one is a little bit different. So it was trading back in 2018 up around $1.20 and it fell all the way down sub 10 cents. Now, one may say, well, that's a downtrend. Yes, that's right. 
but we've got this big consolidation that's been going on for the last couple of years and stocks love to generate new trends out of these consolidations. So if Metal X can get up through 28 cents, then that would confirm that base has started to break out. Now, um, disclosure, I do hold Metal X in one of my strategies. It has been trending off those lows recently. So the trend in the very short term is up, but bigger picture is what I'm talking about. I'm looking for that to start to recover a lot of those losses that we saw in 2018, 2019. So my two stocks, Ansel and Metal X. Metal X code is MLX. Yeah, one of those hot tin stories having of course uh, sold its uh, copper assets to uh, Cyprium as well and uh, yes uh, a big hello to you too Nick um, who also I know is a big fan of that particular stock. Speaking of which well we've got to say thank you on behalf of all of you to the great man Nick Raj from the Chartist. Uh, thank you very much for your participation today and for your great insights as always. Thanks Elio. Thanks for having me. And remember, that's thechartist.com.au if you want to learn more about the services that Nick provides, including his uh, mechanical framework that he uses to help him identify which stocks to buy and, of course, which ones to sell and to do so without any emotion. Now, tomorrow we have John Athanasiou from Redleaf Securities and his specialty is investing in small caps and the larger ones from a fundamental view. So go on Google or social media to see what he's been doing and ask him for an update if you like. Um, to get some further clarity in regards to something beyond 240 characters. If you do have that question, remember, text us 0480079 or email us, or 089 at the end there, or email us question at spotty.com.au because until tomorrow, uh, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching the new Spotty and together we've been showing the spotlight on shares.